afternoon, church. How are we? Good. I want to thank Quincy for a great communion, being willing to put his life on the out there like that. But um, it's an interesting time that we are living in right now. Has anybody watched the news this week? Isn't it encouraging? If you're watching the news of the political process, no matter what side of the aisle you are on, it's, yes, it is crazy, as people back here are saying, right? We look at some of the things people are saying, some of the things people have done, and it's like, how is this happening to our country? And we can get depressed about it, right? You look at the tweets that go out, you look at all the different comments that have been made. And I know during the week a lot of us have had many uh, political discussions. But here's the thing, it's very easy to look at people out there in the public eye and criticize some of the things they say when they've got the cameras on them, when they have the spotlight on them. When we ourselves have all done some crazy things. Now here's the thing, I mean I remember one time I, uh, I had a parking ticket, and the parking ticket, you know, they put the wrong address on the ticket, so I figure, okay, I don't have to pay. So, that's, at least that's what they told me, right? So, I go to the court, and I'm sitting in the court, I'm like, I've just got to show my ticket, it's the wrong address, I'm going to get off. And, you know, they have the judge there, and then everybody's sitting around, and so you can hear everybody's cases. So right before me, this woman came up, and she was an old lady, and she didn't quite speak the language, and the judge just went in on this woman. You are a lawbreaker. You broke the law. Why? And you could tell she, you know, she was afraid. She didn't know what it meant, you know, and he was really harsh with her. And so I was looking at this judge like, you know, this guy's just a bad guy. Then right after, my name gets called up. So I go up, and um, I'm like, Brace, just be humble you know, state the case and, you know, and move on. And so it starts off, he says to me, okay, Mr. Brace, why did you willingly break the law? <laughs> so, you know, you have the conversation in your head, like, don't take the bait. Just, just do what you're supposed to do. And so I said, no, I, I didn't willingly break the law. He said, no, yes, you intentionally broke the law. I said, okay. I said, no, I didn't intentionally break the law, and then I put on my, my thickest British accent. <laughs> and I said, to do something with intent, or he said, why did you purposefully break the law? I said, to do something on purpose means to do it with willful intent. That's what the dictionary, English dictionary definition of the word on purpose is. And I said, anyone with a very basic understanding of this would not make that mistake. And so, in my brain, it's saying, bro, you slow down. This is not good. This is not the correct course of action to take. And then I said, and if you read my ticket, you'll see that the address is incorrect. So you may as well just dismiss it, and then we can both move on. How do you think that worked out for me? I ended up paying the ticket, right? But 
you know, luckily it wasn't anything, you know, I didn't have to suffer any major consequences from it. But we've all done things, and in the middle of doing them, we know this is not the correct course of action to take. We take courses of action that affect our life. The question I have to us today is, as we look out there and as we know we can mess up, where do we truly find wisdom? Where do we go to get good at life? We take courses to help us get good at our career, to help us, you know, get healthier or whatever. But where do we get good at life? So the title of my message this morning is Finding Wisdom. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you so much that you are a wise God, that you love us and that you take care of us, and that you want us to do well in this life. Give us a spirit of humility to learn from you, to accept the things that you want to teach us, and live life the way that you would want us to live. Let my words be your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is wisdom according to the Bible? We're going to go, we're going to look in the book of Proverbs today so you can turn there. But what is wisdom? See, let's start by talking about what I'm not talking about or what the Bible doesn't mean. Wisdom is not a bunch of nice sayings. Wisdom is not an old man sitting on a hill who has, you know, who's enlightened by something. You know, wisdom is not even your IQ, according to the Bible. It is not your SAT scores. It is not your business acumen. Wisdom doesn't care if you have degrees, according to the Jewish tradition. It doesn't care if you're from academia. The wisdom found in the Scriptures is not intimidated by the smart people in the room. The wisdom found in the Scriptures is not what we go to school for. This is what we've got to understand. And as we get into this, we're going to see that wisdom is available to anybody. What is wisdom? Proverbs uh, chapter 4. And we're going to learn about a few different things on wisdom here. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 5. It says, get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her. And she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, though it costs all you have. Listen to that. Though it costs all you have, get understanding, cherish her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. What do we find out about wisdom here? First of all, it says, though it costs all you have, you've got to get wisdom. The second thing is, and I find this interesting, is wisdom is personified as a woman. As a she. Sister's like, I told you. (laughs) Wisdom is personified in the scriptures and in the Jewish tradition as a woman. Now, our sisters, we are wise, but please do not make the mistake that because you're a woman, that just means you're blessed with infinite wisdom. Although many women in this room are. Also, it says that you should cherish her, that she will exalt you, that you should embrace wisdom, that she will honor you. This is putting wisdom right up there. Something we've got to get before anything else. But I think sometimes as Christians or as people, we don't quite value it. And the other thing that's great about wisdom in James chapter 1 verse 5 is it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to anyone 
without finding fault. Everybody can be wise. Doesn't matter your background, your education level, how much money you have. You can get wisdom according to the scriptures as the Jewish tradition says. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 8. Now, this scripture right here is wisdom's call. And I, I love the scripture. Let's go read. We're going to read the whole verse, the whole uh, chapter here. Proverbs chapter 8. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice at the highest point along the way where the paths meet? She takes her stand beside the gate leading to the city. At the entrance, she cries aloud. To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. For my lips detest wickedness. All of the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. Let's stop there. The Bible starts off here by saying wisdom is calling out. In Proverbs chapter 1, it says she's calling out in the public places. What is it trying to say here? Wisdom is trying to get to you through the noise of everyday life, through TV adverts, through uh, social media, through secular philosophies. Wisdom is calling out to you and trying to get your attention. Are we listening? It goes on, and, and that word joy is more like, that word call out is more like a scream of joy. It is happy that it can help you. That is what wisdom is saying. Let's continue reading, reading in verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and preferred speech. Counsel and judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers, and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, uh, and nobles all rule the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me making their treasures full. The Lord brought me forth as the first of all his works, before his deeds of old. What did God make before the world was created? It was the very first thing that God created. You go on, you read in verse 20, 27, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established uh, the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. It inspires me to know, and you look at the Jewish thought leaders, that before anything was ever made, wisdom was there. Wisdom was there with God as he created the earth. Wisdom was there with Jesus as he was with God. Wisdom was there at the beginning. In Proverbs 3, verse 19, it says, By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundation by understandings. He set it's heavens in place. So what does that really mean for us? Wisdom is the reality of how the whole world works together. 
It's a reality of how things come together. It's not just wise sayings or great concepts. It's a reality of our lives. And yet for some of us, we can settle for fortune cookie wisdom. Stuff that is quick, stuff that is fast, a few points on an internet post, instead of looking into the wisdom from the Bible, which is the very blueprint of how we are supposed to live. In verse 30, it says that she rejoices in the presence of God, that she delights over mankind. Wisdom loves us. Wisdom wants us to have a great life and to be good at life. Wisdom is rooting for you to succeed. She's raising her voices in the public squares, asking who will listen to her. See, just because you're accomplished doesn't mean you have this. How many times have we seen those who are successful just do foolish and stupid things, ruin their lives? Maybe they're successful in one area, but their relationships, their marriages, their relationships with their kids, their relationships with others, they keep running into walls. Where do you go to get good at life? The Bible says right here, wisdom. Where do you go to be a good father, a good son, sister, mother, brother, employee, disciple, citizen, employer, friend? You've got to go to wisdom. The other thing about wisdom in Proverbs chapter 1, if you read verse 20, is that she doesn't play. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20, in Wisdom's Rebukes, it says, out, of the open, out, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public squares. On top of the wall, she cries out at the city gate. She makes her speech. How long, will, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I will in turn laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, they will call out to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but I will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. And it goes on. Now, this is pretty deep. This is not one of those encouraging, fluffy scriptures that's designed to make you feel great about yourself. Wisdom is saying, look, I reached out my hand. I called out to you. I sought you and you turned away. Wisdom will tell you, I told you so. Right? You know, you got the uncle or the aunt when you mess up. They're like, I told you. That's wisdom. But it loves you. It wants to draw you in. So what do we learn from this? What does wisdom teach us? So starting in the beginning here, we know that wisdom was there from the creation of the earth that is better than all the riches in the world, that it will give you enduring wealth. Now, some of us are looking for wealth, right? Many people win the lotto. Well, not many people. But how many people keep what they won? There's so many stories of people losing it. Wisdom gives us righteousness. Nothing compares to her. She will preserve your life. She will teach you discretion. She will give you insight and power. And if you find her, you find life. God says he will give it to you freely. As you look, if you go away and you study the book of Proverbs, the Proverbs has certain stock characters. It has the fool, it has the righteous, it has the wicked, and it has the wise. 
and it has and it lists what those people are like. And you can see yourself, you know, the good decisions you've made, the bad decisions you've made, and you can look at wisdom as a guide. Point number two, wisdom and truth. Proverbs 23, verse 23. It says, buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. It says, buy the truth and don't sell it and also gain wisdom. Now, how do you know if you're being told the truth? How do you know if you're living the truth? We look in this political discourse of what happens after, somebody, after they have a debate. What's the next thing they do the very next day? They do the fact checking to figure out if what was said was true. How do you know if you're going to buy a car if the salesperson is telling you the right thing? <laughs> Carfax.com. Amen. That's right. My point is this. It's very hard to sometimes figure out what the truth is outside, but also sometimes it's hard to figure about, out what the truth is about ourselves. There's a story I heard this week, and, and indulge me for a little bit, but this, uh, this client of mine was telling me this story about a woman who grew up her whole life, and she always had trouble with interpersonal relationships. When she was a young kid at school, she would try to play with the other kids, and the other kids wouldn't want to play with her, or they'd get angry at her. Uh, some kids were very mean towards her, and she couldn't figure it out. And then she grew up, and she became successful, and she had a business. But in her business, her employees would leave, her assistants would leave, and she, she just couldn't figure out what was going on and why this was a threat throughout her whole life. Eventually, she just settled on, I'm more intelligent than others, and other people just don't get it. She was confident, but she was also lonely and depressed. And at one time, she started talking with her friend, and her friend had just figured out that she had Asperger's. And her friend was talking to her about this new discovery and also how difficult it was for her in her life. And as she talked about it, this woman started to see herself in all of the symptoms. And she started to think, man, I've, I've, th these are the same things that have been affecting me throughout my whole life. And so she went away and she did the research and she figured out, this is what I have. Now, I don't want to make light of um, anybody who, who deals with this, but if you've dealt with this or if you know somebody who has, you know how crippling it can be. You know how, how difficult it can be. Anyway, so she figures out that, okay, I need to figure this out and get help on this. So there's a study that comes up. And the study come, uh, is looking for participants. Now, if you don't know anything about Asperger's, I'm going to give you my understanding of a very small part of it. I am not, you know, a psychologist. So, one aspect of it is that you cannot understand or get the emotional subtext of, a, of things that people are saying. So, for instance, if you come to me and you say, can I borrow your car? And I say, sure, you can borrow my car. Right? You understand I'm really saying no. Right? The person with Asperger's would think, Oh, he's saying, sure, I can borrow the car, right? And so they're, they're missing the emotional cues that are being sent. So anyway, she goes to this study, and I'm trying to cut a long story short, but they would have her read these sentences that had emotional subtext. She would read them, and she would completely miss the cue. And then they would give her the treatment. And immediately, she would read the same sentence and understand all of the subtext. And so she was feeling like, man, this is what I've been missing my whole life. I've been missing out on all of this communication, and this is how everybody else lived. So she, she was encouraged, but she was also she was a little bit distraught. Now, here's the thing about this study. 
the treatment only works for 40 minutes. So imagine that. Imagine knowing that you've missed this thing, finding a solution, being shown what everybody else is experiencing, and then it being taken away. And, you know, they asked her, as, as this was the podcast, so they asked her, would you, would you have done it again? Or would you have just uh, preferred to remain ignorant? She said, no, of course I would have done it again. Because knowing this and knowing what I'm missing, it, it's changed my life, right? Why do I tell you this story? Because without wisdom in our lives that's correct, connected to reality, we all have spiritual Asperger's. We all are in some way spiritually not connected to reality. We're not connected. We, we, we miss things. We're not seeing the spiritual subtext of the world that we're living, of our everyday lives. And sometimes we can miss things. We can run into the same walls over and over and over again when we don't have the wisdom that is here in the Bible. And, it's, and just as this woman only could experience it for 40 minutes. We too, if we're not rooted in the Bible day after day after day, we miss the point. We've got to understand, and this is the reason why, you know, like I said, smart people do dumb things. We miss the spiritual context. We miss the spiritual context of what it means to be a husband, a wife, a friend, employee, or whatever. The Bible right here in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 34, says that, we are supposed to watch daily at wisdom's doors, learning from the scriptures. James chapter 1 verse 23 says, For anyone who hears the word but does not carry it out is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after observing himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. What reality are you living in? Where do you go to get wise? Where do you go to learn about life? We live in a world where the lines between fiction and reality are being blurred. Look at reality TV. Right? People believe that stuff. Just think about it. You've seen the scene in the, in, in, pick any reality TV show where they're coming up to the door and they press the door. And then the camera is behind the door seeing the person entering. How are they in the room? How is that reality? But we accept it as reality. How many of us, have you ever looked at somebody's social media page and felt miserable about your own life? Like they're over here and they've got these great pictures and they're showing, you know, they're with the best people and you're like, what am I doing with my life? Because they're only posting the highlights and you can't compare your life to somebody's highlight reel. Right? Because trust me, they have issues the same as we do. We need a source that grounds us in reality. Where are your blind spots? Disciples, are we still going to the Bible to get the wisdom we need to live this life? I know for me, look, kids will do it to you. Trying to figure out, I mean, look, first of all, I don't even understand how kids can say some of the things they say to their parents these days. Right? Like, if, and with my own daughters, I'm like, if I said these things to my parents, you know, I wouldn't be living. At the very least, I wouldn't have my front teeth. It's like, but it's a different age in which we live in. 
Now, and I'm no expert with kids, but let me tell you something. Disciples, you've got to understand, what we have is valuable. People want what we have. I'm clearly not an expert in fatherhood. I try to hold to the Bible. I try to get um, advice from different people in the congregation. But check this out. Last year, well, this year, um, one of my clients brought Amber and I in to do this Father's Day video. And this Father's Day video was for this website, and it was just fathers talking to their, to their daughters about their relationship. And so it was just me and Amber for five minutes talking about our relationship. Now, we weren't saying anything that any brother or brother here who's been discipled, who's been in the Bible, would say anything else than, would, they would say the same thing as what I'm trying to say. That video is at 992,000 views. In a few months, it will be at a million views. And I still get Facebook messages of people saying, thank you, how did you learn this stuff, where does this come from? I'm like, you know what, it's not me. It's the Bible, it's the wisdom in the scriptures. People are looking for what we have. Don't neglect the gift that God has given you. One million people looking at this video, that the wisdom that we get here every week, people need what we have. I was so thankful for everybody who came out to Dawn's surprise birthday party. It was awesome. We had a great time. But I had friends there. Like Dawn, <laughs> Dawn had co-workers there. And they left and they saw the sharing and they were like, your friends and your church people, they're not real. She said, they're all paid actors. <laughs> because this can't be real. And then she, she calls us the unicorn family. Because it's like, it's... It can't be real. It's got to be fictional, right? People want what we have. Don't discount what you have from the scriptures and what you have from the Bible. Point number four, the wisdom of the heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. The Bible reads, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The Bible says everything we do flows from what's in our heart. What we allow in there, what we don't allow, and how we treat it. My question to you is, how are you doing? How are you really doing? You know, in our church, we might not be getting together as much as we used to for spiritual counseling times. But I want to ask you as your brother, how are you doing? Day-to-day -day life with the Bible with your relationships with each other, with knowing what you need to be doing for God. How are you doing? How are you doing emotionally? What are you going through? Because we need to start talking about this stuff. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 10. It says, Each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. The point of the scripture is, our hearts can carry a lot of stuff around them at the same time. We can be in a place of bitterness or sadness, but at the same time in our hearts we can have joy. And sometimes it's like we, we want to force people into one category or another. You're either happy or you're sad. But these things can exist in the same place. This week I was talking to my wife and I said, I feel bipolar. Because on one hand, I'm stressed about the things that are happening this week right now. And I'm, I'm frustrated. But on the other hand, I'm so excited about the future. 
And how do these things exist in the same time? Yesterday, we took uh, my daughter Amber to a bar mitzvah. And so she's getting changed and uh, dressed. And, you know, it's hard to watch your baby girl start to, you know, look more like a woman. It's just tough. She's wearing a dress and she looks beautiful. And I drop her off at this party. And she's so confident. She walks into this party, and she's uh, friends are hugging her. And she's like, yeah, what's up? Yeah. And I'm like, that was totally not me. So on one hand, I'm so um, encouraged to see who she's becoming. On the other hand, it's kind of sad because my girl is growing up. She doesn't need me as much. She's like, Dad, just, you know, at the door. You know what I mean? I'll be coming up in here and ruining my swag. You know what I mean? So... And so I'm filled with all these different emotions. You know, the other day I was, I was, watch, I was uh, leaving a house. I was watching this commercial, and it was, uh, it was one of those commercials for water. You know, when they're trying to get water to another place in, in, uh, in, in a third world country. And the little girl on the commercial, you know, was dark-skinned. And I didn't kind of, I didn't make the connection. I was getting changed, and, and I just started crying. I was like, yo, Rob, man up. What's going on? I'm by myself crying. But I didn't realize that it's because she looks like my daughter. And, you know, our hearts can carry all these things around. But we've got to be able to share them. We've got to be able to have people in our lives that can help us through the highs and through the lows. We've got to have that spirit of fellowship that's, that's rich. This is wisdom from the Scriptures. You know, the other day, my wife and I, we were going, we're not really going at it, but you know when you're going through a week and you just snap it at each other? You don't really know why. And my wife was like, look, let's stop. Let's go to a diner. So we went to a diner. We sat, and the things we thought we were stressed about, it had nothing to do with that at all. How are we doing? Are we talking with each other? Are we getting deep? When was the last time you really got deep with somebody else? I was on a panel the other day, um, and it was more, it was about how uh, men can help women who are in their lives who are, over, who, are, who are stressed. But the panel turned, and it took a turn, and, was, and one of the men was like, look, you know, when a woman gets pregnant, and nobody wanted to hear this, but he was like, when a woman gets pregnant, she has a midwife, her parents come, everybody's around her. What about the men? And you could hear, like, older women, like, you know, what about the men, you know? But... <laughs> But then, you know, people allowed the conversation to go, and it was real. He was like, look, I'm a man. I don't have anywhere I can go to talk about when I'm scared, to talk about my fears, to talk about my insecurities. Where do I go to get that? And then he said, it's no, it's no wonder people make, uh, men make these crazy decisions, that they leave families, that, <clears throat> that this stuff is going on in the urban community because men don't know how to deal with what's really going on. What we have is precious. Proverbs 14, verse 30. It says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. If your heart is not at peace, it will affect everything in your life. We need to slow down. Is your heart at peace? Depression, body aches. It's been proven that your body can actually ache when you have unresolved issues or a lack of forgiveness in your heart. My question to you guys is, is your heart at peace and what do you need to do to get there? 
What wisdom do you need to learn to get there? And then finally, before we get on to this last point, what do you want? What do you want? What are you looking for in this life as a disciple? Because some of us get scared of really allowing that voice to come out. Are you honest with yourself, with God, with what's really going on in your heart and what you truly desire? Put it at the feet of God because He cares for you. Final thing, the wisdom of questions. Um, In the Jewish tradition, they would teach their kids to ask questions that led them closer to the truth. So you know when your kid is asking you why, why daddy, why mommy, or whatever, and we get annoyed? In the Jewish tradition, they would see that as a sign of intelligence. And they would teach their kids to ask more and more questions. There was a story of one, you know, of, uh, of a comparison of, you know, one kid comes home and his mother asks, what did you learn at school today? And the Jewish kid goes home and the mother asks, what questions did you ask at school today? Because she wants to know that his brain is engaged. In the scriptures, Jesus asks over three, in the Gospels, 307 questions. 307. Now, he has asked 183 questions. How many questions do you think he answers? Just three. Because Jesus is more concerned about our thinking, about us. Not, we hear about blind faith all the time. Jesus doesn't want us to detach our faith from our intelligence. The Jewish tradition was about wrestling with Scripture, was about going deeper. I think I'm correct in saying the Midrash, and Andy, can, you can correct me, is, is a part of uh, the Jewish tradition where they would look at a Scripture and many different teachers would discuss it and talk about it, trying to find the truth of what was in that Scripture. Are we still asking questions? Are we still trying to get to the deeper truths in the Bible? In Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 42, it says, When Jesus was 12 years old, he went up to the festival. And where did they find Jesus? They found him in the temple asking questions. And people thought he was wise. That's from Luke uh, 2, 42 to 49. They were amazed at his understanding by the questions that he asked, not by the statements that he made. You look through the Bible, you look in the book of David, Psalm 13, questions, how long will you, uh, God, uh, how long, God, how will you forget me forever? You look at the book of Ecclesiastes, is Solomon asking questions, what is there to do on earth? What is there for man to do while he's on this earth? Now, if I came and I told you that I'm going to figure out what the wisest thing for me to do with my time on this earth is, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend my money on my pleasures. I'm going to have a harem, concubines, and I'm going to go out there and figure out what this life is all about. What would you say to me? You're crazy. But that's what Solomon did, and he has a book in the Bible. Now, I'm not suggesting that <laughs> that, is, that is what, uh, that we should go and do that. But what I'm saying, the point I'm trying to make, is that questions lead us to a deeper truth. Jesus on the cross, his last statement was a question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
still asking questions on the cross. For the mature uh, Christian, are you still asking questions? Because if not, our faith is dormant and at worst, dying. I think for some of us, we've got to figure out what does it mean to be a Christian today, in today's world. I think for us, we can be so busy trying to be the church of the first century that we fail to be the church of the 21st century. Like the answer is back there somewhere. Right now, people are looking for answers in the world. There is no better time to share with the world what we know with the wisdom that we have from the scriptures. You've got to remember, Jesus' movement was a contemporary movement at the time. It wasn't an old movement. Jesus, all of that stuff where he says Jesus is Lord was a response to what Caesar was saying. When Caesar was saying Caesar is Lord, it was a countercultural movement of the time. And so right now, we've got to figure out what it means to be a Christian right now and help the world with that. You know, like I said, people, they're looking for solutions. This week, Dawn and I are going to have uh, the privilege of, of being on, someone's invited us to be on a podcast to talk about our marriage and how do you keep a marriage going? How do you keep a marriage going uh, within the confines of the Christian faith. Now, this is a secular podcast. They've seen, you know, some of the uh, social media stuff we've done with Dawn about our relationship. They saw the party, and they just hear about how I talk about my wife. And I'm like, man, we could learn from that. Right now, today, here in this world. Guys, we have got to be putting the wisdom that we know from the Scriptures out there. Look, the laws of physics, and (laughs) Mr. Finity will correct me if I'm wrong. But as far as I know, the laws of physics have not changed since they've been made by God. Right? The laws of science have always existed. But you don't see Apple saying, you know what? We're going to go back to the first century application of science to get back to the origin. No. It's got to move. See, move Jesus and his disciples were a movement. What happens is sometimes movements become systems. Systems become institutions. Institutions become monuments. And monuments eventually become relics. Let's make sure our Christian faith is not a relic. Let's make sure that we're not trying to live in the past and there's no new life in our walk with Christ. You know, when I studied the Bible... One of the things I used to love about how they studied the Bible back there, back then was that they would teach you that we right now are part of a long tradition of movements trying to figure out the Scriptures. You had the Jesus movement, then you had the first century church, then you had Josephus, then you had Constantine, Emperor Constantine, who tried to figure out what Christianity was. Then there was a change with Martin Luther, the Anabaptists, the Campbellites. If you don't know who these are, this is your tradition as a Christian throughout the ages, who've been wrestling with the wisdom in the Scriptures. Finally, look. Times are changing. Parents, you're dealing with things in your kids and in your kids' life that did not exist when you were a child. Your kids are facing things in the world that didn't even exist ten years ago. How are we going to approach it? Are we going to approach it with fear? 
with depression? Are we going to run and hide? Are we going to become harsh? Or are we going to lean into what's happening? Because this is where God works. He wants us to explore it. He wants us to see what wisdom says about it. Sometimes it may be painful. Sometimes it may be challenging. But you know what? If you come from a place of faith, God is always going to walk you through. But you just have to hold on to him and not let go. And start to see how Christ's love and his wisdom will work in your situation. Maybe he has chosen you for this very purpose. To use a phrase which won't sound right coming from my English accent. That's out there in the media right now. As church, as Christians, we need to be woke. We need to wake up. We need to have our eyes open. And we need to not let go of what we have in the past. And we need to understand that what we have is very valuable. So in closing, wisdom calls. Will you respond? Wisdom will show you the truth. Will you accept it? Wisdom can fix your heart. How are you doing? Are you being open? Wisdom wants you to ask questions. Are you still growing? And wisdom is free to all who ask for it. To God be the glory.